Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I've never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to what is part one of a two-part episode. So on Netflix, this is called The Secrets of the Fire Nation. <laughs> yeah. But then it has two books within it. Yes. So I think what this is officially called is Book to Earth, Chapter 12, The Serpent's Pass, Parentheses, The Secrets of the Fire Nation, Part 1. Yes. I think is is the official title of That's this episode. That's what we're going to go with. Okay. I am beaming. This is such an exciting episode. This this is so exciting. Let's jump right into the summary. But before we get to the summary, okay. this is the first time that I want to clearly talk about the previously on Avatar. You religiously watch those where I am impatient and skip over them. Tell us, what was, what was it like? I love it because what they do is they point out the things from the past that are going to come up in this episode. Like they, they, they clearly just make reference to like, okay, so this remember this scene because... This is we're going to reference this. Mm -hmm. And when I watched the previously on Avatar, here's some things that I saw. <laughs> I heard Iroh say we're going to Ba Sing Se, which is exciting because it's like finally we're moving there. Mm -hmm. They showed Suki. They showed Jet. <laughs> um, they reminded us of the captured uh, Appa. They reminded us of Aang in the Avatar state. So if you're not already hyped for this episode, like all of these things, when I saw Suki and Jet, I was just like, I cannot believe. We're going to pull both of those characters in some way, shape, or form into this episode. Yep. I was so excited because I, when, when, if you go back to our episodes on the first two, uh, in the first season, like I kept, I keep referring to like when they're going to circle back and bring these people back in. And you can tell like an episode like Jet would be weird as a one off. Warriors of Kiyoshi, even more so, would be weird as a one off. And it's like, yeah, we're never going to see these people again. Yeah. This week we see them again. Right. And we got one subtle hint that Suki might come back, mm -hmm. right, from uh, when they went back to Kiyoshi Island, right? Right, right. And uh, but she wasn't there, right? Right. And, now, and you're a big Suki fan, aren't you? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm all things Kiyoshi. So Suki <laughs> is my is my Kiyoshi pro uh, proxy. So yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, like maybe maybe the character I'm most excited to see. That's awesome. So yes. All right. So let's let's jump into the episode proper. Uh, so we open on our heroes uh, in sort of this peaceful, rocky valley at the foot of a waterfall. Do you notice how much this show loves waterfalls? Yeah. Waterfalls don't happen that much in life. Like, I don't find myself... And they're always these, like, massive Victoria Falls-style waterfalls. I think, though... The Aang gang would find it, you mm -hmm. know, like even if they're far, far away from them, I feel like they, they're naturally going to head to a waterfall yeah. because they want to have fun. They, they have a waterbender on the team, actually two now, yep. basically. Right. And, and, and I think Aang is an appreciator of natural phenomena. Oh, he's always stripping off into his underwear <laughs> and jumping into water. Yes. So that's what we have here. So we see Sokka who is sitting by, uh, by the lake inspecting a map. Toph is sitting with her feet in the water, which is kind of interesting because with her feet in the water, is that like sort of putting uh, like noise canceling headphones on for, for one of us? It's because uh, like she's not like her feet rooted to the ground is how she experiences the world. Yeah. It's how she so, sees. Yeah. So it's really it's I found that really interesting that that, like, that would be a, a break for her in a kind of way. Yeah. Calming. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Or or disconcerting. One of them. Clearly it's not. <laughs> clearly it's calming because she looks calm. Uh, we see Aang swimming and he kind of makes this like ice cocoon coffin thing for himself to float in um and then katara way up high on a cliff uh dives in and does this big like water bending bomb splash uh, and this huge pillar of water shoots up into the air 
Uh, and Sokka's very concerned about the map because he's holding this map, which he stole from the library. And he's like, sure, 5,000-year-old maps from the Spirit Library. Just just splash water on them. No big deal. Uh, and then we see Katara draw the water out of the map to dry it off. Just another thing about waterbending where it's like, that's so practical. Well, it's so interesting because three out of the four types of bending would help you dry off. I hate being wet. Right. Think about it. Water bending, you can bend the water out of it. We see Aang in the library when the soup is spilled on him. He just use air, uses air bending to like blow himself dry. Yeah. And I'm assuming as a fire bender, you could like use your fire breath or something to like heat yourself up yeah. and dry yourself off. Like it makes me want to be a bender just because I don't like being wet. Yes. And you know me, you know how I spill everything that I ever have. It'd be so nice to like, man, I've gotten so many mystery stains on students' homework mm -hmm. <laughs> before I turn it back to just yeah. draw that out. Yeah. Like, and, nothing happened. And since we're telling personal stories, right? I, <laughs> I walk to work every day. I walk pretty much everywhere I go. So living in Minnesota, there's a lot of like start the day with wet feet and you oh. end the day with wet feet kind of thing. But yep. to be able to just like water bend that out, I would be interested in that. Me too. Yeah. Let's invent something. Or invent water bending. We <laughs> could we go. could just do that. So uh, we see uh, Aang asks Sokka if he's figured out a route to Ba Sing Se. So clearly Sokka is the the person laying. He's the man with the plan for them. Right? <laughs> uh, so Sokka walks them through the map. And we see this huge lake or sea. I think it's referred to as a lake between them and Ba Sing Se. Mm -hmm. And he says the only land route is a narrow bridge called the Serpent's Pass. And Toph says, are you sure that's the only way to go? So we see Toph shows some apprehension about this, which makes me wonder, like, she's from the Earth Kingdom. Does she, does she know about the Serpent's Pass? Right. Or can, I mean, we don't know how much she can sense outside of her area, too, to even be like, maybe she has an understanding of what it's like. Wow. I, I That would be weird if she could sense that far away like that would be some major untapped that'd be so dope power. i mean it's not super different from like the tree that we met in the forest right, right. that can like sense through the ground I don't right know. right she's a master yeah I, <laughs> maybe it's far-fetched I'm, I'm thinking more she that that bossing say is a famous city the serpent's pass is probably a famous thing sure so she's at least maybe heard stories of it because she seems apprehensive about it and Saka says it's the only way i mean it's not like we're gonna have appa to fly us there and then we see Katara kind of lean in and remind Sokka to be sensitive about Appa. And Aang tells her, it's okay. I know I was upset about losing Appa before, but I just want to focus on getting to Ba Sing Se and telling the Earth King about the solar eclipse. So both Katara and Sokka are kind of stunned by how well Aang is taking things. Yeah, maybe unconvinced a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. And and I will say this, this whole episode um, is really a... One of the big themes is something you brought up last week in the desert, which is sort of this idea that uh, of sort of dealing with grief, right? Mm -hmm. And we're seeing Aang sort of deal with both loss and, and, and responsibility in a lot of these things. And, and one of the things I wrote in my notes somewhere here is like, this show is kind of great thinking about kids watching this in mm. terms of like, oh, it's giving a model for different ways that we deal with pain and trauma and what are healthy and, and unhealthy ways. Mm. Um, Cause we're going to see that in this episode. So, so uh, this is the first kind of salvo into that conversation. Yeah. I kind of also, I really enjoy, I guess enjoy is a weird word, but I like that they 
made the grief extend beyond one episode or two episodes because it's like so much with kids shows or just any show it seems like a loss happens and it's so easily just dismissed then after that initial episode movies do this right like like this is the this is the pop view of psychology i mean even think about a movie like goodwill hunting right he has this one breakthrough it's not your fault they hug and then it's like is it just fixed now it's like that's not actually i think how like therapy and healing works right i think especially deep trauma like Grief it lingers. stays with you. Yeah. 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 For so sure. so the fact that they that they're open about that is pretty cool. So we see Sokka sort of announce, uh, then to Bossing say we go, no more distractions. And without missing a beat, we immediately hear and see this Earth Kingdom couple approach. And we see that the wife is pregnant. And I went back and checked, and this is the same couple from the beginning of Zuko alone, when mm. Zuko looks down and sees this this uh pregnant woman and her husband. And he stops himself from robbing them. Yep. Yep. So so they approach and they're also accompanied by another young woman who I don't think says anything this whole episode. She's just there. Right. Which I would love if sort of Mad Men style that like three episodes from now she becomes this really important character that they just sort of pepper in the background. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Do we even ever learn her name? No. We don't learn the husband's name either. That's true. Um, But yeah, like they never reference her. Yeah. They barely look at her. She wasn't in Zuko alone. Yeah. She's just she's, she's just there, which is which is a choice. Because yeah. here's the thing. With an animated show, you got to draw that person every time. So yeah. it's interesting that they have this other person there. I would I would be thrilled if this came back to be this important person but i have a feeling that's not that's not (laughs) going to be the case um so the husband explains that they are refugees heading to bossing say before his wife ying gives birth uh katara says great we can travel through the serpent's pass together and we see that we see the couple recoil and ying says only the truly desperate take that deadly route so toff says deadly route great pick Sokka," and she pushes him over um and i think one of the fun things in this episode, two things, um, Toff's humor. Oh yeah. Um, she's, she's like, so like, uh, zippy with her comments and like sarcastic and kind of, um, biting with her comments, which is funny. Cause Sok is the sarcasm guy. And I feel like Toff is even better at it. Oh yeah. And to track the sort of Toff Sokka relationship throughout this episode is pretty fascinating. Ooh, I did not really do that. Oh. I know some things you're referring to. There, it's throughout. There's there's all these these there's a lot of little moments huh. um, throughout this. So so she pushes him over and Sokka says, "Well, we are desperate." The husband said, "You should come with us to Full Moon Bay. Fairies take refugees across the lake. It's the fastest way to Ba Sing Se." And Ying says, "It's so hidden from the Fire Nation, so they can't find it." Katara says, hmm, peaceful fairy ride or deadly pass? <laughs> that reminds me of the choice that Iroh made when he made his tea and then got sick. And he was like, beautiful tea or right. poison? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so when we cut to uh, to Full Moon Bay and we see huge ships docked and hundreds of refugees awaiting passage. And Katara says, I can't believe how many people's lives have been uprooted by the Fire Nation. And the husband says, we're all looking for a bit of life. Safe behind the walls of Bossing Say. So I thought this was interesting, and I, I'm going to point out my uh, sort of Eurocentrism here, and then point out how I'm wrong to think about this. Because what I first <laughs> wrote was like, "Oh, this makes me think of like Ellis Island, and makes me think of like like people fleeing, you know, the, fleeing the Nazis and things like that." And then I realized like these are not the only people immigrating, and like like the world in 2021 is currently full of 
lots huh. of refugees, right? I mean, we have plenty of students who come from families who come from different places. So I caught myself writing that. And then I thought like, this does not have yeah. to be a, uh, this does not have to be like a uh, 19th, 20th century European reference, right? This is a, this is a contemporary reference. Oh, totally. 2021 with all of the millions of displaced people. Right. Yeah. Right. And I just, and I just think it's, it is really powerful that this show is kind of taking this idea seriously that these uh, military campaigns, that oppressive regimes, uh, that there are co- that the consequences of those are people in fear for their life, people right. needing to to emigrate, people living lives displaced. Right, and we know that this uh, world seems to be built on some East Asian mm-hmm. geography and culture, and to think also about like all of Asia with like that's where most displaced displaced peoples are from mm-hmm. or navigating. And yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So I'm just calling myself out. Even, <laughs> as, even as I wrote those words, I'm like, come on, what are, what are you thinking here? <laughs> um, so uh, we see a ship leave the port uh, and set sail out onto the lake. And on board the ship, we see Iroh. And he's kind of staring off. This this episode is a lot. I think this is a thing you do on boats anyhow. It's a lot of people sort of staring off at the horizon. That we yeah. See. Right? It's like sitting around a fire and you just stare into the flames and yeah. you think about deep things. Yeah. This episode's full of that. So Iroh is staring off, kind of talking to himself. And he says, who would have thought that after all these years, I'd return to the scene of my greatest military disgrace as a tourist and he turns to Zuko and puts on this sort of flowered hat and shoots Zuko this big smile. He's like very pleased. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, which is interesting because I was sort of wondering what Iroh's take on returning to Ba Sing Se would be and I kind of love it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, although we still need to know what happened there. Right. Exactly. Right? Um, so Zuko says, look around. We're not tourists. We're refugees. And he takes a sip of soup and spits it out overboard. He says, I'm sick of eating rotten food and sleeping in the dirt. I'm tired of living like this. Also, come on, kid. It's been like a week. He's like on a ship with refugees who have been refugees for so long. Right. You uh, know? Yeah. Yeah. But he's he's used to uh, right. a particular a particular way of life. And, and has it been a way? I mean, I, I don't know how much time has passed yeah. since the Siege of the North. I'm also being dramatic. Yeah. Just like Zuko. And, and in a sense, he's been a refugee from the Fire Nation in certain ways. Now, he's been a refugee <laughs> with some... Uh, some means, right? Yes. But he's he's been displaced for years from uh, from his people to that degree. All right, all right. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like I'm like a Zuko apologist right now. No, but... you're right. You're right. I uh, clearly right. I'm also dramatic. Right, but he he could get some perspective and realize <laughs> that in there are lots of ways where he has I think uh, just things love, going for him. I just love the refreshing Iroh, who's like. Just taking the best of it, right? Right, right, right. Oh, it's so great. Um, so at this point, we hear a young man's voice from off screen who's overheard Zuko's rant. And he says, aren't we all? Aren't we all tired of living like this? And then we see Jet, and he shoots a sly smile at Zuko. And he says, my name's Jet, and these are my freedom fighters, Smellerby and Longshot. Which made me wonder, what happened to Sneers, the Duke, and Pipsqueak? Yeah. Why did they split up? There were more freedom fighters in the Jet episode, and now we're just Smellerby and Longshot and Jet. Yeah. And I I can't think of that group and understand why they split off in that way. Yeah. Because we didn't really get a ton of character development of the others. Right. Unless, I mean, there definitely is moments in the Jet episode where members of the Aang gang, particularly Sokka, uh, but, but Katara at the end, like, are trying to sort of say, like, 
this is wrong. What what what's happening here? Yeah. So it may be that they convince some of them like you need this is you shouldn't do this. Sure. And that they they sort of became disillusioned with Jet. Oh, so maybe, maybe they left first. That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe I'm. Who knows? Right. Who knows? Uh, but they're definitely not there now. Um, so we just get we just get Smellerby and Longshot. But let's be honest, those are probably the ones we wanted to see like, more of. Yeah, I like them a yeah, lot. Yeah. And uh, a Jet still has his little thing of wheat That's in right. his mouth. That's right. That's his, his signature, right? Suave. Uh, he says, here's the deal. I hear the captain is eating like a king while all of us refugees have to feed off his scraps. Doesn't seem fair, does it? And Iroh asks, well, what, what sort of king is he eating like? And Jet says, the fat, happy kind. And we see Iroh sort of comically drool at this idea. <laughs> and Jet asks Zuko, uh, you want to help us liberate some food? And we see Zuko, he throws his bowl of soup into the lake and says, I'm in. Right. And Jet smiles because, again, he's charismatic. He's winning yeah. people over. Right. He's recognizing something in uh, in Zuko. Because Zuko, as much as he looks like everybody else, he also stands out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as much as I just took a dump on, on Zuko for being dramatic. Yeah. If there was a man who was hoarding all of the food and everyone else on the ship are refugees living a hard life already. I'd right. Probably, I mean, he's convincing. Right, right. Jet is convincing. Right. So then we go back to the port and we see this angry kind of crabby woman who is working the desk. Think like the stereotype of like a DMV employee. Yes. Uh, and she, her job is stamping passports and distributing tickets uh, for the ferry. And she says, you know, sort of she's addressing the camera so we can't see who she's talking to. But she says, I told you already, no vegetables on the ferry. One cabbage slug could destroy the whole ecosystem of Ba Sing Se. Uh, and then we cut to the cabbage vendor, who we haven't seen in quite a while. Yeah. Right, shaking his head in disbelief. And she calls the uh, she calls for security, and we see a huge platypus bear. Again, I love these sort of animal callbacks, too. <laughs> huge platypus bear smashes the cabbage cart and starts eating the cabbages, at which point we get a... My cabbages. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and then the security sort of takes him away. I love how iconic Platypus Bear is now along with the Cabbage Man. Like, I feel like they both live in the same kind of fame. I get excited for each one of those. Yes. So, did this hit home a little bit? Somebody who's preparing to bring a... uh, uh, bring a cat into oh, Korea. Watching this made me think of airports in the worst of ways, right? <laughs> like true, like all the passengers right. are stressed. The ticket agents are stressed. There's people losing their luggage. Like <laughs> right. just everything that could go wrong is going wrong here. Uh, so then uh, we see that Aang and, and friends are the next in line to get their tickets. Um, so she asked for their passports and Aang says, no one told us we had to have passports. So Sokka jumps in and says, don't you know who this is? He's the Avatar. And the woman says, uh, I see 50 Avatars a day. And by the way, not a very convincing costume. And it pans over and we see, uh, the the camera pans over and we see six different people uh, of various shapes and sizing all dressed as Aang the Avatar. It's really funny. It's very funny. And, and it, it made me think of... Um, a story that I read this week. I was reading about Charlie Chaplin mm. um, and, you know, thinking of Aang as like clearly in this world, he is now this iconic figure, right? That people know what he looks like, right? Yeah. Because these people can dress up as him. They can have Avatar Day. Uh, and uh, there was a point in the 20s or 30s where Charlie Chaplin, I mean, the, the image of Chaplin, like the tramp character mm. from Chaplin was so iconic. You know, there'd be like 
contests like costume contests and charlie chaplin actually entered himself into a chaplin lookalike contest and finished third oh my gosh that's awesome <laughs> so so yeah i wonder how ang would do in an ang lookalike i contest. mean he even looked at the group of other angs and was like oh all right <laughs> right <laughs> pretty right, good pretty right. good um and she says besides there's no animals allowed and she says do i need to call security and we get a quick pan over to the platypus bear munching on cabbage uh, here we see Toph step in, step in, and uh, Toph kind of uses a little bit of her privilege here. Yeah. Right? Um, she says, "I'll take care of this," and she puts a document with her family crest, the flying boar, um, onto the desk. And she says, "My name is Toph Beifong. I need four tickets." And the woman says, "Ah, the golden seal of the flying boar. It's my pleasure to help anyone in the Beifong family." And Toph says, "It is your pleasure." <laughs> Again, real real sarcastic. I, I'm loving Toph, right? Yep, yep. Uh, as you can see, I'm blind, and these three imbeciles are my valets. <laughs> also did not need to throw that in. <laughs> right. Uh, the animal is my seeing eye lemur. And she says, well, normally it's only one ticket per passport, but this document is so official, I guess it's worth four tickets. And she stamps the tickets. Smooth. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Toph has these superpowers, right? Mm-hmm. She has the power of status wealth privilege and she has the power as this powerful bender so and like without oppa there if they didn't have Toph, they wouldn't yeah they wouldn't have survived like they wouldn't be where they are right right well and it's it's interesting because just like we were talking about with the serpent's past like they don't ask Toph about stuff sometimes where it's like she this is she knows this place what else does she know what yeah. else is she able to do that they're not capitalizing on yes or, or what other official documents did she steal from her parents right before right. she left right so and how far does the 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 Beifang name go mm. also we know that there are people who are seeking after her right yeah now she has made herself known oh right? she just said her name and flashed a document i did not even think about that so now it's clear where she is she is in ba Sing Se. i feel like we're gonna get another scene at full moon bay i think so i think so um so as i start to walk away we see Sokka kind of bragging uh saying wow we scammed that lady good and just as he says this he's grabbed from behind by a security guard who asks for their tickets and passports. Um, We see that the guard is a young woman. And uh, she says, I got a problem with you. I've seen your type before. Probably sarcastic. Think you're hilarious. And let me guess, you're traveling with the Avatar. Sokka kind of looks at her and says, do I know you? (laughs) And the guard says, you mean you don't remember? Maybe you remember this. And she kisses Sokka and he lights up because it's Suki who's not wearing her her warrior of Kyoshi guard. And so all of a sudden the the, the tension melts away and they're like really happy to see each other. Yeah. I just wrote in my notes about seven exclamation points. I was so excited. I know. Did you know it was her? Cuz she does look very different without that makeup. I didn't know it was her. I I the the narrative trick worked on me that like you get half a step away and start bragging and somebody's like, "Wait a minute." And, mm-hmm. and so like well played when they the way they put this together because i did not ex- even though i was thinking okay we're gonna see suki i wasn't thinking oh well that's suki yeah even her hair looks different like yep. it's like kind of auburn or like a yeah red yeah yeah because because she's so made up when she's in her battle garb yeah that you just don't you realize you don't really know what she looks like yeah she just looks like kiyoshi right exactly um so then we cut to uh suki and the gang sort of sitting around in the port talking Katara says, you look so different without your makeup and new outfit. 
And Suki says the crabby lady makes all the security guards wear them. And look at you, sleeveless guy. Been working out. So we see Suki kind of like work around the room and kind of asking everyone. And Sokka says, well, I grab a tree branch and do a few tin, chin touches every now and then. Nothing major. We see him sort of flexing for everyone. Uh, and, and Aang asks about the other Kyoshi warriors. And Suki says, after you left Kyoshi, uh, we wanted to find a way to help people. We ended up escorting some refugees and we've been here ever since. Which was interesting to me because mm. my sense is that the Kiyoshi warriors are like this particularly well, highly trained, uh, pretty powerful and maybe even legendary group of warriors. And maybe I'm just saying that because of the way they're presented sure. in that episode. It seems like they're underutilized as security guards at this port. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering sort of what's that about? Yeah, me too. I mean, is it? I mean, is it patriarchy? Is it like that's outside of Kiyoshi, we get a lot of the stuff we saw from Sokka about like, ah, oh, how yeah. can a girl be this? Because it's just like, like this seems like such a waste of their abilities, right? And maybe, man, maybe like, bef- they have to get into bossing say in order to even see any military or like you know like have yeah. access to a, a potential job or yeah i don't know yeah it also seems right though that they would stop and like they have they seem to have a lot of empathy and like care a lot about people to so i to get stop the caring for refugees part i just don't get like <laughs> that they're working as security <laughs> the, the dmv security yeah like i honestly think and we're gonna see the serpents pass in this episode like why are they not serpents pass guides or something mm, you know like sure like they could be helping people i don't know I, it, it, it's but i think it's not a it's not a flaw I think it's speaking to the world to say, yeah. like, on Kiyoshi Island, they are legends. Yeah. They come here and people don't understand what they are. Yeah. It's you kind know? of like the immigrant story in general. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it is really interesting. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's a, a pretty powerful thing. Hmm. So she asks, you know, why are you guys buying tickets for the ferry? Wouldn't you just f- fly across on Appa? Good question. Mm-hmm. Um, and Katara points out that Appa's missing, but we're hoping to find him in Ba Sing Se. And Suki immediately, again, you use the word empathy. Like she immediately turns to Aang and says, I'm so sorry to hear that. Are you doing okay? Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, other people in the, the, in the group have been sort of paying attention to Aang and asking him. But like this, like what struck me here is... Speaking as somebody who is not always socially adept, especially at difficult times, mm. I realize like how good Suki is at this. That she knows when she hears this to turn to Aang and be like, "Are, are you okay?" Like I, I, I just heard this piece of news, and I and instantly understands how troubling this must be for you specifically. Yeah, like I was kind of moved by that. Of like, oh, that's the type of person I wish I could be. I right. Wish- and, and she, I'm not good at it. And she she gives him permission to answer as fully as he needs to, mm-hmm. which isn't. But still, she it's not pressured. It's not follow up questions. Just yeah. are you okay? And it seems very genuine. Yeah, yeah. Like it. It again. This is why I love Suki because she's <laughs> yeah, everything she's that I'm great. not. Yes. Uh, so then everyone looks over to Aang and he says, "I'm doing fine. Would everybody stop worrying about me?" Which is kind of unfair to Suki because she's just like. Just saw them and just learned just this heard information. Of this. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And 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 I just I really like how sensitive she is there. Uh, and then the tension of that moment is broken by Ying, who calls out uh, to Ang for help. She says, "Someone 
took all of our belongings, our passports, our tickets. Everything's gone. And Aang says, well, I'll talk to the lady for you. So Aang sort of steps in. And this is kind of what he needs is like he needs to be doing something. Mm. Uh, because honestly, there's a lot of waiting around. Yes. You know, and like that's not always. Um, well, maybe it is what he maybe he needs to be addressing the the inner issues. But um, as somebody who avoids emotions, right, the other way to do it is like <laughs> we just need work to do. Yes. He's like me where when I'm sad, I, I get busy. right? Yep. So I don't have to think about it. Exactly. Exactly. So he says, you know, I'll, I'll talk to the lady. We'll I'll help figure this out. Um, so we cut back to the uh, what's who Suki referred to as the crabby lady. I feel bad calling her that, but that's the only way she's, she's addressed. She's got a right. frustrating job. And she says, uh, no passports, no tickets. And she stamps Aang's head. <laughs> and Aang <laughs> tries to explain that all of their stuff was stolen. And the lady says, no exceptions. If I just give away tickets willy-nilly to anyone, there would be no more order. And you know what that means? No more civilization. Whew. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I mean, it's extreme. But what's interesting is, you know, if we think about, you know, sort of uh, tensions in the history of America mm. broadly, right? There is this tension between kind of liberty and order, right? And she's definitely somebody who takes a stance on that and says, like, like, like civilization is going to come out of order, yes, right? And and if we that means we sacrifice liberties and freedoms and we live according to these stiff rules, like, like, I mean, she has a worldview, she has an yeah. ideology, at least, you know, like we can agree or disagree with it, um, but yeah. But I mean, and this is also like the, uh, if we want to be empathetic towards her, which I think we need to do, right? This is how hard it is to be uh, outward facing civil servant, right? That mm. you're having to constantly deal with people's crises. And at a certain point, you need to just say like, the policy is the policy. Yeah. And like, if, I mean, I know as a teacher, I've often said, like, if I make this exception, you realize that by definition, here's all these other things I have to do in order to be fair. Yeah. Um, and I I can't I can't say yes to those other things. Therefore, I can't say yes to you. Right. Um, and, you know, that that can be a problem. But like my, yeah. my heart goes out to her at that point. Yeah. I see. Mm, yeah. That is a very kind, empathetic way to look at it. I on a spiteful smaller more individual scale is like oh it's kind of like when and i do this too when it's like i make my this choice this job into something much bigger than it is to be like if this is wrong then everything else is wrong you know what i mean yeah and and so so then if i want to be less empathetic it's like you know there's this uh scene in the movie fargo where uh the Steve Buscemi character is trying to deal with a guy who's running like a parking lot and he's got to pay. And the guy's just like kind of laying out the rules to him. <laughs> yes. And, and, uh, and Buscemi says, you know, these are the limits of your life. You know, you rule over this, like you're the king of this <laughs> stupid little kingdom. And it's like, it's like, it's, there's a little bit of that too. So I can go either way. I just feel, I feel like I need to be open and empathetic you, towards her. You want to follow Suki's example. That's right. Oh, that's right. I'm trying to learn from, <laughs> learn from my favorites. Um, uh, so apparently the the future of civilization hinges on this. Um, so Aang offers to give them their tickets, uh, but the lady says no, and she sprays a bunch of like spittle on him as she's yelling. So Aang returns to the couple and says, don't worry, you'll get to the city safely. I'll lead you through the Serpent's Pass. Now, I, there's a the word I is doing a lot of work there, right? <laughs> yeah. Like Like, again, I do think this is what you said of like when things get, emotional and difficult like he's just says okay i need to get to work Mm. and um 
he, he could say we'll lead because I think that what's interesting is we're going to see this episode. There's a lot to do with leadership in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to see some different uh, people step into leadership roles. Yeah. But Aang is, Aang is kind of saying at this point, I'm going to put everything on my back. Yeah. It's almost like Katara the episode before, though Katara was actually carrying all of the weight of yep. the entire group. He's like, let me fix it since I can't fix myself. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, so then we see the boat that they would have been on leaving the port and entering uh, into the lake. Uh, and back at the port, the gang is preparing to leave. And Sokka says, I can't believe we gave up our tickets. And now we're going through the Serpent's Pass. And Toph says, I can't believe you're still complaining about it. So again, <laughs> Toph is like pushing on Sokka, pu- try pushing Sokka's buttons. Very sarcastic. Loving it. Um Suki runs up in her Kyoshi garb, or Kyoshi garb, and says, I'm coming too. And Sokka says, are you sure that that's a good idea? And she says, I thought that you would want me to come. He says, I do. It's just nothing. I'm glad you're coming. And Sokka looks troubled by this, right? And um, I, I think this, I mean, this is obviously a, a theme in here. Like Sokka is, there, there's so much in this episode about how do we care for each other? What are yeah. the things that we do? to to show that care and um when you care about someone how overprotective can you be uh, mm-hmm. and we're going to see this from multiple characters i think um in this episode which is again i think really interesting if you think about this being a show that is made for children right and they're getting some images here about like uh as we see Sokka being overprotective like i think we're going to think about um how kids might see their parents in that way. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it is kind of interesting. So we see this overhead shot of the serpent's pass and it's a, uh, like a very narrow land bridge that cuts across the lake, uh, with a huge narrow rock ridge running down the middle of it. So it's like, it's almost like there's just this sharp peak mm-hmm. that runs the full length of this, uh, this pass. Yes. And there's, and there's almost no room on either side of it. It almost just drops right down it's into like the water. It's like a slice of a mountain. Yeah. Dropped yeah. in the middle of a lake. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very strange, right? And Sokka says, this is the serpent's pass. I thought it would be more windy, you know, like a serpent. I guess they misnamed it. Uh, and at this point, Ying points out that there are words carved on the gateposts, kind of graffiti style. So not like officially there, but somebody went in and carved these in, um, and it reads, Abandon Hope. Is that for, like the Abandon Hope, all ye who enter here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was it's, thinking. It's a, it's, a, it's a version of that, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, so uh, Ying says, how could we abandon hope? That's all we have. Uh, and Aang says, and again, we have to think about the state that Aang is in here. He says, I don't know. The monks used to say that hope is just a distraction. So maybe we do need to abandon it. And Katara kind of pushes back on this and says, what are you talking about? Aang says, hope isn't going to get us to Ba Sing Se, and it's not going to find Appa. We need to focus on what we're doing right now, and that's getting across the pass. And Katara says, okay, if you say so. And we start to see them walk across the pass. Now, this is interesting because I'm fond of pointing out mission statements. Sure. And this is a mission statement, but maybe a mission statement from something like uh, an unreliable mentor. Yeah. Right? So Aang is definitely working off of this mission statement. But what I thought is that he's, it's interesting that he says the monks used to say this, mm. but not Gyatso used to say this. Ah. Right? Because I think 
again, I may be projecting way too much onto this, but there's this sense, if we think about when we've seen Aang's early actual childhood, right? Mm -hmm. There seems this tension between what the monks want to teach him and what Gyatso wants to teach him. Yeah. And the monks want to teach this sort of like, how do we give up attachment to the things of these worlds? This is what Iroh tells us right. about the, the air nomads. This is where they kind of derive their identity and power from, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so the monks are maybe teaching this thing about hope. So I, I don't doubt that he was taught that by them, but he doesn't often talk about what the monks teach. It's, uh, Gyatso seems to be his specific teacher, mm -hmm. and Gyatso does not strike me as somebody who would say abandon hope. Right. Gyatso seems like mm, the Iroh of the air nomads yes. in that, like, I would think that he would be a part of the White Lotus. Or, you know, he right. would be something where he would communicate with and, and maybe want to learn from other types right. of bending. And I think there might be a difference. And, and we'll, we'll see this later in this episode. There might be a difference between how do you train an air nomad monk yeah, and how do you train the Avatar. Yeah. Because the role of the Avatar is not to be an air nomad monk. It's to be the Avatar. Mm -hmm. So... What might be good training for a monk may not be good training for the avatar. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I, I, I'm, I'm reading a lot into one <laughs> statement, but I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, we've heard in the past that like depending on what element you are, there are different obstacles for you as the avatar. Exactly. Right. So like for him, this might be it—the idea to evade and avoid any kind of like connection to Earth. I love that you said evade and avoid here because like. He is evading and avoiding emotional things. Yeah. You know, we think about that in terms of battle as a battle strategy or a martial arts strategy. But yeah, how many of these, how much of these episodes have been about emotional evading and avoiding? Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm, mm. I'm dumb that I just thought of that now, but that's, <laughs> that's kind of cool. Um, so we see our heroes uh, walk on a narrow path and they're up high on the rocky ridge, which drops right down into the water. And here we get some time for Suki to just give us some exposition. <laughs> like she's like, just sort of Suki. <laughs> yeah. She says uh, the Fire Nation controls the Western Lake. Rumor has it they're working on something big on the other side that they don't want anyone to find out about what it is. Hmm. Um, and what I'm wondering is: is this what's revealed at the end of the episode? Is this the thing that they're working on? Yeah. Um, which, uh, and maybe we can get into this when we get into that episode, but it made me start to think about technology mm. and how we've seen the, uh, Fire Nation use and develop technology through people like Teo's father and they have these tanks and these, this and that. Are they the only ones developing technology? Do we really see much in terms of technology? Other yeah. places like use their bending in these artful ways, but like the Fire Nation seems specifically to be technology focused. Yeah. And um, yeah, and what like does that say about <laughs> the creators and their intent in the show? Yeah. No, absolutely. It's yeah. So as she's saying this, they see a fire navy ship sailing on the lake sort of parallel to them. And a section of the path uh breaks under Ying's husband's feet and he starts to fall, but Toph earth bends out a ledge to catch him. He's like, "I'm all right." <laughs> <laughs> and she kind of like springboards him back up. It's Toph's the best. Mm. Uh so the but the falling rocks splash into the water and the fire navy ship sees and it starts to shoot fireballs uh, at them up on the pass. We see Ang fly out and bends one of the fireballs back to the ship starting the ship on fire. So he basically is going to sink this ship. But another another fireball manages to strike the ridge right above our heroes. And rocks start to fall down on them. We see Sokka push Suki away from the falling rocks. And then Toph earthbends a rock canopy over Sokka to save him. 
Um, and we see Sokka kind of rush to rush to Suki to ask, you know, are you okay? You need to be more careful. And they walk off and Toph sarcastically says, thanks for saving my life, Toph. Hey, no problem, Sokka. And they run down the path. So it's interesting because here we're seeing, I mean, Toph is constantly like digging at, digging at Sokka, making fun of Sokka. But here's this moment where she saves him and she's, and she like wants to be seen. Yeah. And he's not. Yes. Also, Mm, it's coming out of him caring, mm-hmm. like a parent we've seen in the past with um like Toph's family. Yeah, but it's it is misogynistic in a way. Oh, you know, yeah, know, because Suki is one of the most capable people there is, regardless right. of gender. Right. And then for him to be like, you need to be more careful, like a child. But then a woman saves him from <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. There's like exactly. so much going on. Exactly. Um. So they all keep going down the path. And then uh, we cut to Nightfall and the Aang Gang plus three are uh, camping up on top of the ridge. Uh, and we get more of this Sokka-Suki stuff. So Suki is setting up her sleeping bag and Sokka runs up and says, Suki, you shouldn't sleep there. Who knows how stable that ledge is? It could give way at any moment. And Suki says, I'm fine. Stop worrying. And Sokka says, you're right. You're right. You're perfectly capable of taking care of yourself. And as he's doing this, he's actually setting up her sleeping bag in bed. Close to his, so he could watch her, probably. Uh, And he jumps up to guard her and says, wait, oh, never mind. I thought I saw a spider, but you're fine. Right? And it really is, um, and I will say, I I am a parent of a 15-year-old who um, has driven a car at this point. (laughs) And, you know, and it's just like, like, I totally... I get Sokka and I like and I, I'm both offended by him, but it's like, oh, but I get it too. Yeah. Like like this this sense of like I I am gonna really struggle with the idea that my kids are becoming adults. Yeah. You know? Um and uh, granted this isn't his kid, but but I get that sort of like um, you know, we're and we're gonna see this play out in this episode, right? Mm. That, that that this is coming from Sokka afraid of losing somebody else that he cares about. Yes, it's protective. Yeah, yeah. So I I both understand him and am deeply bothered by him because she's <laughs> we he's already seen how much more powerful she, i mean their their love whatever it is is not born out of him like falling in love with her through like just like oh she's beautiful or something like yeah. that yeah like it was with ua right yeah it came from him re- him being attracted to how like powerful and capable she is yeah but it's like he's he's like he's forgotten that, right? And he's just projecting like UA stuff onto her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. which is which is really interesting because it's so funny to see her in the Kyoshi garb and be like, "Do you, you forget who she is?" Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> like know, she bested him many times, <laughs> right? Um, and then we cut to the ferry at night, uh, and we see Zuko, Jet, and Smeller B are sneaking around in the dark, and they get themselves up to the window of kind of the, the captain's quarters. And we see all these bowls of food and bottles and what I think are chickens hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. They're big chickens. But yeah, they're yeah. like turkey-sized chickens. I, I actually was like, are those like, are those pigs? But yeah. they, they seem too big to be, although this pig is- Pig chickens. A, maybe they're pig chickens. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they're, 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 it's lar- they're large carcasses hung up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see Zuko and Jet burst in while Smellerby keeps watch. Uh, and they grab the food. What's interesting is they grab the food using only their swords. Like they don't touch any of it. It's real skilled. It's real cool. Because yeah. they're both real good with their swords. 
Uh, and Smellerby signals that the guard is coming. Uh, and then from below, Longshot fires an arrow with a rope attached, and they escape very like Disney's Robin Hood style. Yeah. Which I think we talked about Robin Hood in the Jet episode, and like they definitely use even the idea of like these like bags strung up on like a zip line down the down yeah. the ropes and stuff. Like yeah, it's it's oh it's, it's conjuring up there. all of those scenes for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then we go back to the Serpent's Pass, and Aang is standing on a ledge again, staring off into the horizon as. Um, <laughs> Is maybe it's only a male thing in this? I'm trying to think, is it always guys who are staring off into we the We should horizon? track that. Yeah. Um, uh, Katara approaches and said, you know, it's okay to miss Appa. What's going on with you? In the desert, You cared all you cared about was finding Appa. And now it's like you don't even care about him at all. And Aang says, you saw what I did out there. I was so angry about losing Appa. I couldn't control myself. I hated feeling like that. And Katara says, but now you're not letting yourself feel anything. I know sometimes it hurts more to hope and it hurts more to care, but you have to promise me you won't stop caring. So what's interesting is it's like the, it's like the counter mission statement, right? If we have this false mission statement about giving up hope and that just being a distraction, we see Katara then Mm. sort of laying the actual Aang mission statement on. And what's interesting is it's like, who was Aang's, uh, earth or airbending master was Gyatso, right right and now this is katara coming as friend but also coming as master and Mm. it's like okay so those people were teaching you this but i'm your teacher too yeah i'm your teacher and i'm your friend and and what you even really what you said about hope is not is not accurate and i wasn't going to say it in front of everybody but we need to talk about this now yeah which is very much what i think Gyatso would have said too absolutely like pulling him away from the council talking to him and on his own like making community like waterbenders do, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she ends by saying, come on, you need a hug. And instead, Aang bows to her and says, thank you for your concern, Katara. And he walks away. And we see Katara kind of worrying. Yeah, yeah. that was one of the coldest responses he's given her. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like, a, it was like writing a, an emotional form letter back to her. Yes. You know? Her arms were raised out for a hug yeah. and he bowed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we we move from there to Sokka staring up pensively at the moon into the horizon, into the distance. Yet another <laughs> guy doing this. I think I'm going to do this today. I'm going to stare yeah. off into the horizon. See if your family's like, is everything okay? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or maybe they'll have more respect for me or something. Right. I don't know. That's just it's 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 what it means to be to be. It's what a masculine move is. Yeah, to... he's going through a thing, but he's not going to talk about it. That's right. Uh, so he's clearly thinking about UA as he looks up at the moon. And we see Suki approach. And she says, it's a beautiful moon. And Sokka says, yeah, it really is. She says, look, I know you're just trying to help, but I can take care of myself. And Sokka says, I know you can. She says, then why are you acting so overprotective? And Sokka says, it's hard to lose someone you care about. Something happened at the North Pole, and I couldn't protect someone. I don't want anything like that to ever happen again. Suki says, I lost someone I cared about. He didn't die. He just went away. I only had a few days to get to know him, but he was smart and brave and funny. Then we see Sokka move from like the pensive Sokka to the jealous Sokka. He's like, who is this guy? Is he taller than me? She says, no, he's about your height. Is he better looking? And she says, it's you, stupid. And they almost kiss. And it's this great shot because... In between them literally is the moon. And it is massive and glowing on them. <laughs> yeah. Like, like so so you have this sense that, like, UA or the ghost of UA, the memory of UA is 
physically between them. Yeah. You know, as they're almost, as they're about to have this emotional moment. And we see Sokka pull away. And he says, you know, basically says he can't. And uh, Suki apologizes. And he says, well, you shouldn't be sorry. You know, and he walks away. So we have Aang walking away from somebody trying to emotionally connect. Sokka is a ball of emotions, but he's walking away from a person that loves him and, you know, can't emotionally connect. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, uh, uh, males unable to deal with their, with their emotions in this, uh, in this particular episode. I don't know if you want to comment on that oh, anymore. Or... You know, I'm sure more comments will come. All right. Um, so then we cut back to the ferry and we see jet distributing the stolen food to the passengers. And this is, this is very Robin hood kind of stuff as well. Right. Like you don't see him eating. You yeah. see him like going to, the old people, the the people on the boat, and handing out food. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. it's like not super different from when he was doing that for Iro. Mm-hmm. It's just now it's more people that right. he wants to take care of. I don't know. Right. No, but I'm saying oh, you see Jet, Jet doing this. Jet, sure, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, and um, yeah, and I, I think so. So I mean, we thought of Jet sort of as kind of this Robin Hoodie figure, but it is interesting. You know, I think that that we're going to see him say a little bit more about the direction in his life, but he is. Uh, not acting uh, selfishly in this. Like mm-hmm. this, this is there is a major degree of this being a selfless act. Yeah, yeah. With him, it's always interesting to weigh whether it's more about stealing from one person or more about giving to another person. Right. Exactly. <laughs> What's exactly. motivating? And you you kind of get both, right? So we see Zuko, Iroh, and Longshot, and Smellerby all eating together. And Iroh says, "So Smellerby, that's an unusual name for a young man." And Smellerby says. Maybe it's because I'm not a man. I'm a girl. And she walks off. And Iroh says, oh, now I see. It's a beautiful name for a lovely girl. So I like this because this is a moment where, like, Iroh's charm doesn't work. (laughs) He's very embarrassed. Yeah. So we see Longshot walk up to her. And he says nothing, but he gives her a nod. And Smellerby says, I know, you're right. As long as I'm confident with who I am, it doesn't matter what other people think. She says, thanks, Longshot. And he nods again. This scene seemed so... Mm, out of place or just like why did they add it but i like it yeah and as a woman with short hair i get called sir all the time and you just learn how to deal with it and again if we we talk constantly about identity and people trying on identities and Mm -hmm. things like this and um you know it's definitely smeller b is having some sort of uh not crisis of identity but definitely Hmm. struggling with um who she is on the inside and how she appears on the outside. Yeah. I mean, and there, and, and there are people, I think when we talked with uh, Jasmine, she mm-hmm. not on, it wasn't part of the interview, but she mentioned this as this sort of kind of cryptic scene that people point to, to say, you know, is this, is this about like a gender identity kind mm-hmm. of thing beyond just, you know, being misunderstood. And I think you can read it in, in lots and lots of ways, but it's definitely, it's definitely intentionally there. Yeah, it's it's um, vague or like subtle enough that I think it can apply to a lot of different things. And every child deals with identity issues, right? Yeah. Like whether it's based on your looks or how you feel on the inside, your gender, whatever. Like, I don't know. I really like that they put it in there. Yeah. They didn't have to, but it... it... That's exactly the point. Like it, it doesn't need to be there, but because it's there, you notice it. And and again, th- this show is so has been so much about people you know, um, thinking about wrestling with expressing questions of identity. Mm. So like, why not? 
yeah. have this there. I mean, I think that's, I that's mean, really great. Also from like, uh, what year is this now? Are we in 2008? Probably. I think it's like six or seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's, it feels like even if, even if it's just loosely tied to gender identity stuff, like that also seems ahead of its time. Yeah. It makes me wonder how this read, because like, like I, it reads very different. It reads a specific way in 2021. And I wonder if it mm. read as strongly mm. in 2006 or seven, like, if, like if people's ears were tuned to that in a different sure. way or yeah or if this was written in 2021 how might it how if like if that was their intent would they be more explicit about it you sure know? sure absolutely super interesting absolutely so we get this yeah we get this little this little scene there and i love that long shot doesn't talk and we're gonna get more of him just giving nods and people like knowing exactly what he's <laughs> yes. saying I, I, I like that's it's a funny it's a funny visual joke yeah um so Jet walks up to Zuko and Iroh and says, from what I heard, people eat like this every night in Ba Sing Se. I can't wait to set my eyes on that giant wall. And Iroh says one of my favorite words. He says, it is a magnificent sight. <laughs> they must purposely write the word magnificent for that yeah. voice actor because Iroh says it a lot. And I love every time he says it, there's, there's something every, great about it. Every syllable. That's right. It's perfect. Uh, Jet says, so you've been there before. And Iroh says, uh, once when I was a different man, and Jet says, I've done some things in my past that I'm not proud of, but that's why I'm going to Ba Sing Se, for a new beginning and a second chance. Uh, so I love that that Jet is on an arc, too. Even, mm. you know, like, la when we last saw him in season one, he was this heroic figure, which then turned into kind of a villainous figure, but maybe with complicated heroics. Yeah. And it's interesting to think like, well, what are the things in his past that he questions now? Is it things like destroying that city or is that something he was totally okay? Like, because mm. it's not like we, he, it's not like we see him, you know, learn his lesson in that episode. We see Katara kind of dress him down for that. Yeah. But like... I love that, that that we just get this indication that he's on an arc. And I don't know whether we'll learn about that specifically or not, or if we're just given little indications. But the fact that he seems to be on either, either his work as a freedom fighter then was part of him dealing with things he had done in his past. Mm. So this is a continuation of that. Or the kind of things we saw he now is turning from. It's interesting yeah. to think like, like, where is he at on his arc and where was he at when we first saw him? Yeah. Uh, and so Iroh responds and says, it's very noble of you. I believe people can change their lives if they want to. I believe in second chances. And he's saying this to Jet, but he's looking at Zuko when he says this. Yep. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's this moment where he's, it's almost like he's saying to Zuko, like, look at me, look at how I have changed. Look at Jet, look at how he's changed or seems to be indicating that it's like, you have this, and it's expressed in terms of agency, like if you want to, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really, I really loved that, that moment. And it's not overplayed, but it's definitely, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're getting the nonverbal of who he's looking at. Yeah. And Zuko doesn't says, say a word, but we know it's kind of all about him. Yep. And it's, <laughs> and it's definitely landed with him, right? Yeah. Uh, it's the word we cut from there to morning. We see our heroes and they reach a low point in the Serpent's Pass Ridge where the pass actually goes under the waterline. Um, and we see Aang kind of look dejected at this point, right? Because mm -hmm. he's going to lead the people across. This is what he said, right? I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, he's like, 
okay, what do I do now? Yeah. Uh, and at this point, we see Katara step in, right? And she just, it's just one of those moments where she just takes the lead. Yeah. And she's in just, and what, what I love is, is it, it starts with a command. It's yeah. everyone single file. She doesn't say what she's going to do. She's just like, you guys do this and trust me. Yeah. Yep. Cause Aang had abandoned hope and yep. she is like, I mean, those two, the pairing, we always say are like hope, right? Mm-hmm. But when he can't be, then it's like, all right, it's all on me. Yep. Yep. Uh, and we see her water bend, you know, parting the lake so that they can keep walking. Mm. clearly biblical references <laughs> yeah. here. Right? I mean, this is the this is the parting of the Red Sea. It even looks like the... They're bringing refugees. Like the Ten Commandments movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yes. Um, and as they get deeper into the water, uh, she creates kind of like this bubble for everyone to walk in under the water. Right? And what's, what I find interesting is, you know, we think about... If you think about the Moses and the Red Sea, right? Like that is this act of faith. Mm. Right? Uh, faith that God will lead them, faith that God will part the sea. And there is this relationship between faith and hope. Yeah. You know, she, Katara wouldn't use the word faith, but, but would use the word hope. And it's this, and I think that, I think that relationship is really fascinating to think about. Mm, mm-hmm. So they start to go under the water and she asks Aang for help in kind of maintaining this bubble because Aang is also a waterbender. Yeah. Um, and there's this thing that happens really fast uh, when this happens where Aang hands his staff to Toph, mm. which is both interesting because the last time we saw Toph with the staff, she was trying to destroy it. <laughs> right. Right. So he hands it over to her, this interesting sort of act of faith. And it, the, the staff is also his emblem, his totem mm. for being a airbender, right? Right. And he hands that over and he waterbends. Ah. So it's the, this this indication, you know, that he is really becoming and acting as a waterbender. And he's trusting Toph with with this as well. Like yeah. I, and it happens like that. Like I didn't know. I had to watch it a third time to be like, because later on Toph is going to hand the staff back. And I was like, well, why did she have the staff? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, that is like this really quick moment. That yeah. I found really interesting. Like know- he is he is working with Master Katara right now. Yeah, I noticed that too, but I didn't ever think about it like that. Yeah, it also man the biblical allusions with the staff, with being le- with being unsure, then taking your staff, putting your staff down, yep. like entering. Ooh, it's yeah. all so good, Sam. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we see as they're walking in this bubble under, like at the the bottom of the lake, um, we see these schools of fish swimming past uh, their bubble as they walk. It's like an underwater world kind of thing. It's exactly like that, yeah. Uh, Momo jumps out of the bubble to try to catch a fish. So we see him kind of swimming alongside. And all of a sudden, we see something really big. This big thing swims alongside the bubble. It's huge, like a whale or sea serpent or something. Massive. Uh, and eventually, it crashes through the bubble. And um, we see Toph hit the ground and earth bend the ground that they're standing on up to create kind of a pillar in the water, like this little island for them to stand on. And it's at this point that Toph hands the staff back to Aang. Um, and it's sort of like she's saying, okay, go be an airbender. Yeah. Right. Like, like now do your airbender thing, evade, avoid, you know, so it's like, she's giving him permission to, to 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 also be this other part of himself. So mm-hmm. I, I loved I loved the the pairing of sort of the way the staff moves around. Yes, here. and the two masters are the ones that exactly. are telling kind of telling him what to do subtly. Exactly right. So we see coming out of the water this huge sea serpent now circling them, and it pops up out of the water much like the sea snake in Kiyoshi, the mm. unagi. Yeah. Um, 
And so Sokka turns to Suki, who he's been like overprotective of this whole time, and says, You know about giant sea monsters, make it go away. <laughs> and Suki says, Just because I live near the Unagi doesn't mean I'm an expert. And in a panic, we see Sokka grab Momo uh, and offer him up as a sacrifice. He says, Oh, great and powerful sea serpent, please accept this humble and tasty offering. Thank you. <laughs> and Katara kind of kind of hits him for this. Um, but it is interesting. If we want to keep biblical here, mm. right? Because it seems so oddly out of character. Like, why would Sokka, like, offer up Momo? Like, Sokka's, like, close with every, with, you know, like. Yeah. But I think about the Israelites in the desert, right? And when they're wandering in the desert uh. and Moses goes away and things seem lost, what do they do? They all of a sudden worship another god. Like it's like like uh. like they turn their back on the thing that they have faith in, like faith in this group and stuff like this. So I mean, again, we're probably overstating <laughs> it, but it was this. It's like this comic moment, but it's also like, oh yeah, like in desperate moments, we sometimes do things that when you step back, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So at first, I thought, well, that's it. Like they're sacrificing something for the sake of a joke, but then it's like, actually, no. Like that is what we do. Oh yeah, for you know? sure. Yeah. I I mean I man. In that situation, maybe I'd do this. No, I love Momo. Yeah, I, I was going to say, much. you <laughs> wouldn't do that, you know. I'm trying to think who you would. Maybe that girl who doesn't talk. Yeah. Who's like, <laughs> I don't have any connection to her. She's kind of she's kind of a, a red shirt in the, the parlance of Star Trek, right? Like, she's not a real character. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah she's made, she's made, like, if she had died right there, you would have been like, yeah, because we didn't really lose anybody we know yeah. of, but it has, like, minor stakes. Moment of silence. That's right. Yep. Um. So Katara, uh, you know, hits Sokka and says, you know, why would you do that, right? Um, so we see Aang airbend to knock the serpent away. And he says, I'll distract it, Katara. You get everyone across. So we see Aang fly away in his glider to draw the serpent's attention. And we see Katara then create an ice bridge. So she, like, freezes the water on the top of the, on the, top of the lake. Uh, an ice bridge for everyone to cross. And we see everyone except Toph cross. Uh, and at this point, Katara does something super cool. So she jumps into the water to help Aang. And it's like she glides across the water. Yeah. It's like she's bending the water underneath her to propel her forward. Yeah. She kind of like made a mini island of ice or something like on her ankles, I think. And then like shot herself yeah. with the water. It was so cool. And again, this this has a little bit of Katara as chosen one stuff because she's literally walking on water yeah. at this point. Right. Like, come on. Right, Katara yeah. is kind of god in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and it, it, it it's 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 pretty great, right? Um, and so she goes up and she encases the serpent in ice, and then it eventually breaks up. But like, so she she and Aang are fighting this thing together. Mm. So everyone's across the ice bridge except for Toph, and we see Sokka call out for her to cross, even though it's not Earth. And Toph's first reluctance, she says, "Actually, I'm going to stay on my little island where I can see, right? Because she can be connected to the Earth." Uh, and at this point, the uh, the sea serpent uh, sort of crushes down onto the island. And uh, we see Toph decide, okay, I guess I am going to cross. <laughs> so she starts to sl shuffle slowly while Sokka's voice uh, guides her, right? And for Toph, this is an act of faith. We've talked, oh, I mean, yeah. This episode has lots of these sort of moments of faith, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where it is, it's like, um, uh, if we're going to keep biblical references, it's like when when... 
is it Peter who's yeah. out, out out in the water, yep. right? And it's like as long as he has faith, like he's able to stay on top of the water. And right? then the second he's scared, he, he starts to go down, yep, right? Yep. Like so, Toph has to have this sort of act of faith and also uh, find herself walking across the water during this uh, during this difficult time. Um, and then we see that the sea serpent uh, crush the ice bridge, and Toph is thrown into the water, and she yells out, "I can't swim." So Sokka is preparing to jump in to save her. He even yells like, I'll be there in a second. Yep, yep. Uh, and while Sokka's getting ready, I don't know, he's like taking off his shoes <laughs> yeah, or something. Like, come on, Sokka. Right, Suki just dives right in and swims out to save Toph. Uh, and she dives down, pulls her out. And once she pulls Toph up, Toph announces, oh, Sokka, you saved me. And she gives Suki a huge sort of, Uh, A huge kiss or a kiss on the cheek as we get this sort of romantic heroic music playing. And Suki says, actually, it's me. And Toph says, oh, well, you can go ahead and let me drown now. (laughs) So she's like deeply, deeply embarrassed, you know. Uh, So talk to me about the Toph-Saka relationship at this point. I don't know. They they seem like... Uh, siblings that are annoyed with each other, yeah. don't they? The yeah. way that they're snarky with one another. Yeah, but it, but it, this, this sort of moment struck me as interesting because it's like <laughs> she's so embarrassed, and I'm trying to figure out the embarrassment. Is yeah. the embarrassment that I thought this was Sokka and it wasn't? Is it the embarrassment that I kissed Sokka and then I realized that it wasn't so? Or is it that I kissed Suki? Like 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 like, like there's. <laughs> Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's clear why she's embarrassed, but like the the like slicing finer why actually is she embarrassed <laughs> yeah. is really interesting. Like, does she have a little crush on Sokka kind of thing? Or does she have a little crush on Suki? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's one of, I mean, that's where I'm just like, I, I, I'm not sure there's something there. And again, just like we were saying with the Smellerby thing, it's like, it's there. Yeah. But I'm just not sure what is there. Right. And I'm do not... they bring it up again? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, because it's interesting, you know, the last time, you know, we saw them, you know, we saw Toph being like uh, wanting Sokka to have thanked her and wanting Sokka to have seen her. And like, he's just focused on Suki. Yep. And, you know, and, and then Sokka is like caring for her and trying to guide her across, even though she's kind of annoyed and even picking at him as he's doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, I, I kind of love that I don't know what to do with it, but they put it there anyhow. Yeah. And you'd think that she would hate Sokka's mentality towards Suki because it's very much like her dad. Yeah. And like yeah. sheltering. Yeah. But uh yeah, and and both she and Suki are like the strongest characters we've seen. So Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's such a great little moment that I don't know how to unpack. <laughs> if you if you're listening and you have thoughts, this is where I want you to email in your yes, thoughts on please. this. Please. <laughs> um uh so then we have Katara and Aang uh, and they're still battling the sea serpent and they're circling to create kind of a whirlpool. Uh, and the serpent spins out of control and knocks itself out by crashing its head against the rocks and everyone cheers, right? So then we cut to our heroes finally making it their way to the other side of the pass. And there's sort of this moment of like, okay, this should be the end of the episode, right? There, everybody cheered. We made it to the end. <laughs> um, so this is the second time where we see Sokka just make a proclamation. At the beginning, he's like, okay, Tabasing say no distractions. And then there's a distraction. So now Sokka says, he sees the wall and says, now it's nothing but smooth sailing to Ba Sing Se. And just at this moment, Ying screams out. And she announces that the baby's coming. And here we see 
uh, Katara take control again. She says, I helped Grand Grand deliver lots of babies back home. And then we see this hysterical Sokka say, this isn't the same as delivering an Arctic seal. It's a real human thing. <laughs> and Katara says, it's called a baby. And I helped deliver plenty of those too. And then she just, again, snaps into action. Aang gets some rags. Sokka, water. Toph, I need you to make an earth tent. A big one. Suki, come with me. Right? So she is, like, not even being asked to take control she's just like this moment we just need somebody yeah. who knows what they're doing to like make sure things happen and calm everyone down exactly i also love that she and grand grand helped deliver arctic seal babies yes apparently <laughs> it's uh, amazing exactly uh so we go back to the ferry and we see zuko is again now he is looking kind of out at the distant approaching shore so is this the fort is every one of our male main male characters now stared off into the horizon everyone except momo maybe we should go back and see if momo yeah has. I, I wasn't tracking momo as staring into the into the distance um uh he's staring at the approaching shore and jet walks up to him and says you know as as soon as i saw your scar i knew who, who exactly who you were and we sort of see Zuko kind of put his guard up. He says, you're an outcast like me. And outcasts have to stick together. We have to watch each other's backs because no one else will. And Zuko says, I've realized lately that being on your own isn't always the best path. And then we see the city walls approaching. Now, it's such an interesting line because, you know, as I'm thinking about that, like, I'm wondering, who is he talking about? He says, being on your own, like, is he, mm. cause he's talking to Jet. So it, you could read that as, you're right. We should team up. You know, we should, right. we should work together. Could be talking about Iroh, right? Cause obviously, like, he's been, he was separated from Iroh and now he's back and they're deeply attached. So, like, yeah, I, I, I know what it feels like to be alone and I know you shouldn't be alone. Yeah. Or Aang, right? Cause he and Aang, if we go back to season mm. one, have had these moments as well, right? So it's like he's had all of these moments where he's had these connections with people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I read this mostly as he's come to appreciate Iroh, but like right. you can also reflect it back in all these other ways. Right. Because he doesn't, he doesn't accept the offer. He, he like says that almost, and it's almost dismissive. Not really like agreeing with Jet, but not saying like, yeah, I'm on your team. Right. Right. And, but he also doesn't fully deflect the offer either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we go back to the earth, uh, the earth tent where Ying is in labor and we see Katara coaching her through the delivery. Sokka walks in with water and just, just as the baby's delivered and we see him like fall fainting to the ground. Um, so then we get this, this cool shot outside of the tent and we see Aang, Toph and Sokka are all waiting. It's very much like a hospital waiting room from a sitcom. Mm -hmm. And we hear from inside Katara, Katara announced it's a girl. And Toph says, so do you want to go see the baby? Or are you going to faint like an old lady again? <laughs> And Sokka says, no, I think I'm good this time. And they walk in. And we see Aang stays outside. And he's kind of slouched over. He's basically in the fetal position at this point. And Katara comes out and says, Aang, you have to come see this. And Aang reluctantly walks in. He sees Ying with her baby. And everyone's kind of looking on. I mean, this is very, uh, it's it's almost like, if we're, again, if we're going to keep going back <laughs> to biblical illusions, it's very like nativity scene almost. Yeah. You know, the mother and child and everyone kind of surrounding. In like a rustic scene. Yes, the adoration of the Magi. If you think about like the Da Vinci painting, it's, it's very much, um, very much like that. Um, and, you know, Aang is kind of at the door looking in. Uh, and when he sees Ying with her baby, he smiles and he kind of looks into the baby's face. And the father says, what should we name her? And Ying says, 
I want our daughter's name to be unique. I want it to mean something. And at this point, we see Aang's eyes kind of welling up with tears. And he walks up to them and says, I've been going through a really hard time lately, but you've made me hopeful again. So here we see that word, that word hope. And Ying says, I know what I want to name our baby, Hope. So from there, we cut to Katara and Aang outside of the tent. And Aang says, I thought I was trying to be strong, but really I was just running away from my feelings, evade and avoid. Mm. Seeing this family together, so full of happiness and love, it reminded me how I feel about Appa and how I feel about you, right? And and his, I mean, both you as Katara, but you also as like this, my family mm-hmm. as well, right? Um, and we see Katara start to cry and they hug. So, so the, the hug that was delayed or postponed and now, now sort of comes in this moment. So Aang grabs his glider and says, I promise I'll find Appa as fast as I can. I just really need to do this. And Sokka says, see you in the big city. And Toph says, say hi to that big fuzzball for me. Katara says, you'll find him, Aang. And Aang says, I know. He thanks her. And then he and Momo fly off. So then Suki and Sokka have have a, a moment alone. And Suki says, Sokka, it's been really great to see you again. And he asks, why does it sound like you're saying goodbye? And she says, I came along because I wanted to make sure you got through the Serpent's Pass safely. But now I need to get back to the other Kiyoshi warriors. Sokka says, you came along to protect me? (laughs) She says, listen, I'm really sorry about last night. We were talking and saying things. I just got carried away. And before I knew it, and at this point, Sokka kisses her. So just like we had that hug that was abandoned, Mm. now we have that kiss that was abandoned finally kind of coming to completion. And he says, you talk too much. And they kiss again. So then we see, we hear this heroic music as we see Aang flying towards and then up the massive walls of Ba Sing Se. And he, it's he and Momo. And he gets to the top of the wall and we see him gasp in shock. He looks down and sees an enormous, what I would call a, a Fire Nation tank, but like way bigger, hmm. um, with a huge drill on the front. And Aang says, sorry, Momo, Appa's going to have to wait. And that's where we cut to the end of the episode. So we end on this big cliffhanger, this big piece of technology, perhaps the thing that the Fire Nation was working on they didn't want people to know about. Mm -hmm. And there we end. And as you said, this is a two-part episode, and part two is going to pick up exactly from that spot. It's like every time they make it to their destination, something is happening, right? (laughs) Like Omashu, it's under control, right? Or like... under attack at the northern water tribe now this i mean you know it's coming but also you just want them to be in the city i think it's because we want to get to the city so badly it's like and now there's another obstacle we wanted to get to the north pole and then there was stuff they had to do we wanted to get to amashu we really wanted to get to basing say yeah it's like now we're there but we're not really there it's almost like uh when when they were all in that old abandoned town right and like Mm -hmm. The Aang gang plus the trio plus Iroh, everyone appears. And then all of a sudden it slows down again. And now it's like, oh, we have Jet back and we have Suki and everyone's headed to the same place. But another obstacle. Right. Like, let's slow down again. Right, right. It's, oh. it's, this is a great episode. And, it is. And it's, it's, it's a great cliffhanger ending. Mm-hmm. So do you think about this episode, thoughts, observations, things that jump out at you? I mean, yeah, I guess there's the obvious of like, Hope was born. Mm-hmm. 
And I wonder how Aang changes after that, you know? Um, But then he's delayed again. Like, he, you know, like, he can't find his friend again. Um, it, Yeah, I don't... It makes me curious yeah, <laughs> if and- he's actually more hopeful now or not. It, it was the first time that we saw him smile and, like, since Appa left, I'm right. pretty sure. Right, right. And it's it's interesting thinking about this baby being born and named Hope. Mm. Um, and just to preview, because we have seen the second part of this. Yes. Um, one of the things that that struck me is, so the baby's name is Hope, right? right. Hope is born, this, this new baby named Hope. And what's interesting to me is when we get to the next episode. Yeah. So much of it feels like it has references to a movie which is subtitled A New Hope. <laughs> There's a lot of Star Wars, like the original Star yeah. Wars references. So, so I mean, I think there there is this 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 sense that, that I mean, hope is one of these like powerful forces that runs through yeah. runs through the show. And there is this dark moment, right, where Aang, who has always been the figure of hope for everyone around him, turns back on them and says, mm. "We need to abandon it." Yeah. And hope is this illusion, right? Hope is this thing, this distraction. Yeah. And that's a pretty dark moment. Mm. I I also think um, with hope, hope is a strange character, right? It's like, why, why did we have a birth, right? And it's like, it felt, I mean, like, it's a great metaphor, right? And like, it's a moving moment. It helps Aang. But hope has, and she appears again in the next episode very briefly. It's not really a spoiler. She just appears. Mm Mm-hmm. But she has met so many of the main characters throughout, even when she was in the womb. And every time she meets them, like, there is hope in Mm -hmm. that character, right? So, like, Zuko is going through his blue spirit phase. (laughs) He's about to steal from them. He sees hope inside the mother, right? And Mm -hmm. is like, I'm not going to do this thing that's detrimental to me. Aang is also going down a path of dismay and abandonment. And then he meets hope in the flesh and, like is changed because of it. And then in the next episode, we'll see someone else meets Hope, too, mm-hmm. that hasn't met her yet. And what's interesting is, like, if we think back to, what like, the last two episodes before this, um, in the library, we get this from uh, Wan Chi Tong. We get this very dark view of humanity. Mm. And we even see it in our characters that Wan Chi Tong's not wrong. Right. Not. I mean, he's saying this is what human beings are and then they go and essentially prove themselves to be that, right? Yeah. And the next episode in the desert, we see uh, Aang, the dark, in some ways, the darkest version of Aang. Mm-hmm. You know, we see him uh, go into the Avatar state and we see him when he kills that that buzzard wasp like unnecessarily mm-hmm. right just it's like a revenge kill right and mm-hmm. then we see him and if katara doesn't pull him out of the avatar state he potentially just wipes everybody out there right right um and then in this episode we see the darkness of sort of abandoning you know abandoning hope we also see the darkness of like human bureaucracy mm-hmm. right so we're seeing all of these these like negative aspects of hum- human nature human beings we get this this idea about abandoned hope and then it ends with saying but then there's this other part yeah. of humanity right that humanity is this this duality right there is this this uh darkness and there is this light yeah right and 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 you know i i 
often tell whenever I talk with college students, I often tell them this because a college student is, you know, oftentimes they haven't necessarily maybe encountered a newborn baby yet just because at that age, you know, maybe (laughs) you don't have friends who had babies yet. Right. Maybe if you're if you don't have memories of like having a younger sibling, it's like, have you you have because you have Mm -hmm. nieces like you've held a newborn baby. right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it not the most hopeful thing you've ever yeah. experienced, right? <laughs> right, and you know, even in even no matter how dark the world is, it's like it's this it's this thing which seems clean and pure, and and it is the future, yeah, right. And the future provides hope, yeah. And and at and like you talked about the hug and the kiss that weren't received until after hope is born. That too, I think, is really meaningful because I think this episode's all it's about grief, but I think it's also about like a a side of grief is love mm-hmm. and like you can't really have one without the other and like ang doesn't want to care again he doesn't want to open himself up even to, even to a hug katara because mm-hmm. like to care means to eventually lose mm-hmm. and like with and that's what Sokka's saying right, right? Like, yeah like he with, cared about someone and couldn't protect them and yeah. so he's pushing suki away yeah so because he's he has the moon literally like looming over him yue is always on his memory he doesn't think it's like when hope is born, it's like hope to love again, mm-hmm, kind of, mm-hmm. or or to like accept love when it's offered. I really like this episode. Sam. It's it's great. Uh, I'm gonna point out some other things that yes, are a, a lot a lot sort of we we just hit the the like high highs. <laughs> um, other things that were were great about this, uh, mm. just having Suki and Jet back. Excited. I mean, they they injected a kind of energy into the show because we've sort of had the same characters, literally in the wandering in the desert. So yeah. it's like, oh, there's this kind of energy even if you don't even if you're not a huge suki or jet fan it's like oh it's just like this other charismatic interesting person you yes know? um and, then, and it's fun to see what they do to the mix yeah just like toff because when toff is with any other person it's just it's always fun like her and iroh together her and like Sokka, her and appa right and mm-hmm. so now we have like her and suki too it's just another fun layer to the whole absolutely the whole thing. and i can't wait to see i can't wait to see we're gonna. We obviously are gonna lose Suki now, but like the fact that we kind of know where she is, and she's not far away from where everyone else is. Yeah. So she could appear at any moment, and I would, I would be believe it and be ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the potential for the Jet Zuko team up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's exciting. Um, this theme about second chances. Uh, that you know, and 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 that that Iroh talks about. I mean, I, I'm. I'm actually, we don't get a, we get that one sort of pensive moment of Iroh Mm. and then he makes a joke about it, but it really is going to be interesting because this is not only the site of his greatest military defeat, it's the site of his, potentially his greatest life trauma, losing Mm -hmm. his son was here too, you know? So like, I'm, I'm really interested in thinking about, uh, thinking about Iroh in this place yeah, Um, and, you know, learning about the arcs that people are on who we may, you know, we might not know their, their full story. Uh, I also loved seeing sort of the imprisoned version of Katara back, right? Mm-hmm. That she is the leader. Mm-hmm. She is the the figure of hope. She is the chosen one as much as Aang is the chosen one. So seeing Katara walk on water is pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, you know? right? Yeah. I mean, from the beginning, you said this is also Katara's story. and I, yeah. I think more so. I, yeah. I, I really do. And, um, and you know, this is... Because I don't think it would be as interesting if it's Aang's story. I mm-hmm. think, and this is also pointing me to say, well, this is lots of people's stories, and, mm. and that's what you know. Like, um, I'm just so interested in in how they've expanded out, not just the world, but I feel like in this season they've expanded out the main cast of the show, mm. and then now that they brought some people back, so like I'm sort of hoping, 
that regardless of where Jet ends up, that he's it, that this isn't like a two three episode arc, but like I'm kind of okay with him on the periphery of this story the rest of the way. Yeah, because um, I'm interested in and I would love to see more of those folks come back. I'd love to see more platypus bears. Yeah, more cabbages. Oh yes, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah, I loved. I knew that the cabbage guy was going to be a running thing. I didn't know the platypus bear would be. <laughs> and every time it's it's. It might be one of my favorite creatures just because it's such a funny creature. Oh, it's yeah. a funny looking creature and it's massive and scary, but also very silly. And I'm expecting it to lay an egg at any moment. Oh, yeah. I forgot they do that. Yeah. Oh, so. Yep. Uh, and then it just the ep- the way the episode ends with this like bad thing coming and the fact that it is a two parter, like they're, they're just not even pretending. They're just like, <laughs> we've set this thing up and now we're going to give what is in this next episode is going to be this great. Uh, like set piece action sequence like mm. most of the episode is that um, which is pretty cool yeah so I'm excited well Annie that is all the time that we have for this week um, if you're enjoying this you should go to our website avatarwithacademics.wordpress.com you can email us channel3900 at gmail.com mm. we would love to hear from you we'd love to have you on the show we'd love to hear your thoughts I mean in this episode we pointed to a lot of things where we're like yeah I don't know how to unpack <laughs> You know, things, uh, identity things, uh, relationship things within here. So, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, if you have seen where this is headed, you know, please uh, be be soft with the spoilers. But I'd love to, love to hear your thoughts as to what we've seen so far. And just love to hear your experiences about watching this show. And we will be back next week as we watch Book 2 Earth, Chapter 13. The Drill. The Drill.